Sport. It's your passion. It's your obsession. You want informed opinion and 150 years of wisdom? Know it all with the Sporting Life Podcast. Hello and welcome to either the last or the penultimate Best Bets Podcast of 2019 here at Sporting Life. Ben Coley here to take you through uh, the weekend's action in the world of sport, which does keep on turning uh, regardless of what's to come next week. We're going to start with racing as we usually do, and I'm joined by the, the whole team here of uh, racing experts at SportingLife.com, Dave Ord, Matt Brocklebank and Ben Linfoot. Hi, gents. Hello, Hello. BC. Hello, BC. Uh, Christmas, eh? <laughs> I can tell the, the festive spirit is sweeping across yeah. all of these parents here. I heard you <laughs> dropped a, a sizable fee in the toy shop the other day. Oh, yeah. So if, if your children are listening to this, I've ruined, <laughs> I've ruined Christmas. I, I can assure you there won't be. But, Over 18s um, only. Yeah, we're, we're in the Christmas spirit. Aren't we? We've all got our reindeer antlers on. and We've had a festive sandwich for lunch. You can't have much more than that, can exactly. you? That's about as festive as I like to get. Um, right, start, let's start with Ascot on Saturday then, Dave. Uh, the Marsh Hurdle. Uh, better known by most, I'm sure, as the Long Walk Hurdle, is uh, is where we find the star attraction as Paisley Park is out again, unfortunately, with uh, not many lining up to take him on. No, it's a consequence of the string of ones next to his name, you get this. It's particularly in this division, but he made a winning return at Newbury when they thought he was about 80-85% fit. This looks even more straightforward than, than that race. He's got Lammy Surge in. Uh, for Nick Henderson, who's been a wonderful servant, but you'd be very surprised if he was capable of turning him over. The world's end was served at Newbury. I can't see any reason why he'll reverse that form. And it's all eyes on Paisley Park just to get round, get round safely. And then we begin the build-up. The words that you will be dreading hearing between now and March are straight to Cheltenham, we'll be leaving. No, no Cleve Hurdle? Well, I mean, you'd like to think it's they could option, be bold and do it, wouldn't you? But they'll usually find a reason not to, don't they? That's the, that's the frustrating... I did a piece about to hit the site on Sunday about King George memories, and... Wayward Lad won the Charlie Hall Chase at Weatherby in November and ran four more times between that. I mean, it was a proper sport, it was proper and won the King George. I mean, that wouldn't happen nowadays. You wouldn't have a King George horse running four times between the Charlie Hall and Kempton. Emma Lavelle did say at the start of the year she actually nominated the Cleave as she sort of highlighted a five-point plan in which may well factor in Punchestown or Aintree yeah. at the end. But she, she mentioned the Cleave, so hopefully we'll see a bit more of him because I he th- is a real proper I star, think the fact it? that Punchestown's on the radar means that they might be a bit lighter. They won't want him pulling around on deep winter ground too often. Too and one true. thing we can say is at Ascot on Saturday it's deep winter ground it that certainly is a good point though isn't it because he's never run on ground this heavy and so it's a new it's a new question mark for him I think he's he'll absolutely pass it he looks the type that will yeah. revel this sort of condition just but it is a new thing for him definitely we thought we had if the caps fit we thought we had thistle cracking against him until the six day decks came through they would have been really interested especially Ascot taking him on but yeah look it's great to see him running he's one of the best the best staying hurdle of in training one of the star attractions for the campaign so fingers crossed all goes well indeed uh, perhaps the biggest betting race and there's a couple of them on the card at Ascot is the Betfair Exchange Trophy um, which rounds off the card at 3.35 it'll be getting dark by then I suspect mm. but Matt hopefully something to light up uh, the winners enclosure as you've got a, a live runner here in your anti-post column yeah another live runner which is good it's been going quite well sort of this autumn winter time just very um, modest very <laughs> modest just just highlighting runners is, is hard enough at times when you look at these races but I do find that kind of you look at them a couple of weeks in advice you, you sort of know the way that hopefully it's going to be shaping up and if you can find a race in which sort of I mean, Epitonte was favourite for this when I did it literally just sort of 10 days, a couple of weeks ago. So you just know that when quotes come out saying that she's going to go for the Christmas hurdle and one or two others were looking a bit unlikely, um, the race has just taken a... You know, it's going to be it's going to be heavy ground. That's that's possibly possibly against my post selection, but he was a big price and he's uh, a little bit shorter now. It's uh, who shot the sheriff? He's down number eleven. Uh, he's he's you know not a bad racing weight, ten stone, twelve and a mark of one hundred and thirty six. He's 
He's an interesting horse. He he actually changed from Gordon Elliott to Phil Kirby's, which I, don't, I won't pretend to know the sort of intricacies of that switch, but he's uh, he's in the one of the uh, syndicate ownership of the Hamilton Racing Limited, and he's just a really progressive horse. He signed off with uh, Gordon Elliott with a winner air, and then um, he started out pretty well for Phil Kirby, winning back-to-back, novice hurdles. You know, the form's worked out quite well. He won at Carlisle at quite a short price. And I remember that day he had, back in third, he had that Pajero that's come out and bolted up twice this season. So, the, sort of his form's looking quite good last year. And then this time around, he came back at Cheltenham at the October meeting and was travelling really, really well. He was sent off 10-1, to 1, but he was travelling really well and fell. He just really lunged at, I think it's the second last on the day. Um, but again, not a bad race. Oakley was third that day, has come out and sort of run quite well since Benny's Bridge was the winner I think you probably remember that race and then he went to Haydock because um, he went n- nudged up a couple of pounds for that sort of promising fall uh, went to Haydock and was sent to Bold Plan and Bold Plan ridden by Robbie Power who was absolutely on the crest of a wave that, that weekend uh, Bet, uh, Bet Fair Chase day I think wasn't it yeah yep. so and Bold Plan was he a value bet scooper? he was Believe a value he bet was. selection he was he? very basically was? he was Bold plan was back like he was so well handicapped and he came and mugged him quite close home because I can't imagine Sean Quinlan. Oh man, he, yeah, who shot the sheriff just went for home on the, on the bridle and you just thought, hang on a minute, this is a proper horse and uh, he's gone up a couple of pounds again but I, I just think there's way more to come from him. I, I do think we could be looking at maybe like a 150 horse um, towards the end of the season. If that's the case, he should have a really good chance. I'd just be a little bit wary. You know, he was running for Gordon Elliott on decent ground. Now he's won at air in January on soft so it's not a massive negative but I think it might suit uh, some of the horses in opposition I would obviously just name check a couple there being uh, um, Monsieur Lecoq who just ran just the other week in the international but he absolutely thrives on it and he's a class horse he is rated 150 got to give the weight away but he's a class horse I thought they knew who shot the sheriff uh, it was the deputy whose yes, murder was yeah, that, that still in question. I don't yeah. think they've solved that one. No. Yeah. Yeah. Netflix one, documentary coming on that. Indeed, so. there should be. Um, Haydock, hey, Scoop. We oh, just yes. we just segued nicely into Haydock thanks to Matt's sort of knowing glance about Bold Plan there. Uh, was it Bold Plan, Bold Action? Yeah, the, yeah, the, bold bold, the Bold Selection. Um, Haydock, they race again on Saturday. It's one of those tracks where I feel like you've got quite a good record. I know you've got a good record at several tracks, but I think Haydock on the fl- on the over jumps, Ascot it's on the flat. It's a fair track, isn't it, Haydock? And you'd normally know what you're getting because it's usually heavy at this time of year, and it is again. And there's a couple of races uh, live on the terrestrial TV station ITV4, <laughs> including the closing handicap hurdle. Terrestrial? And, uh, I think it counts. I think it is. Yeah. Modern world, mate. You can't get it through your <laughs> Not dish. Not in Cumbria. You just My don't have to tune your tellies anymore. The one to look out for in that last race is, is Chitty Balco, who loves Haydock, loves these conditions, front runner, bounced back to form last time, oh, still well handicapped. He absolutely was. Yeah, banger, he's gone up he? lows, but he's still well handicapped. Can we say Applause from him in the office. Applause for this selection. He's going to be, uh, he's going to be a, a fairly short price favourite, but you can absolutely see why. But the feature race is the Tommy Whittle handicap chase, and this features... My best bet at the weekend, BC. Would well, you like me to go straight that's in? That's what we're here for. Do, do, do. Exactly. And the horse in question is the Hollow Ginge for Nigel Twiston Davis. A horse that had several options this weekend, including a race at Ascot. And Nigel has plumped for the Tommy Whittle. No surprise. He won on this card last year in a handicap hurdle. Um, he absolutely loves heavy ground. He's still an unexposed chaser. He's only had three goes over fences. Looks tailor-made for this sort of contest. Uh, he's going to be around 9-2, to two, which I think is um, absolutely fair. So the hollow ginge is my best bet for Saturday. Excellent. Thank you very much. Dave, where are you heading? I'm at Haydock and I'm the race before Scoop and it's Emma Lavelle, 
strong theme for me today. Uh, closing seven minute. Four of his five wins have come at Haydock, and there was a massive eye catcher on his return to action at Newbury last time. Last horse off the bridle that day. Patently not fully wound up. He'll have been aimed at this. He's only four pounds higher than when winning here in January. Loves Haydock. Loves heavy ground. Yard going well. Will win. Assuming, Ooh. Matt, you've gone for a different six race than the, the two we've just covered. What's the Trixie selection? The Trixie. Everyone loves a Christmas Trixie. Oh, that's a lovely thing. Yeah, this looks like being a favourite, actually. His first flow in the 150 at Ascot. Um, the Plymouth Gin is one of those push gins, is it, Dave? You I, think it, no, I think it is one of the higher-end ones. Yeah. Salcombe Gin, I'd recommend, gents, just Which for one? the Salcombe Gin. Salcombe? Oh, that is very... Is that Cornish? Worth that? going to Salcombe for. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it might be Devon Salcombe. Is it Devon? Oh. Certainly down there. It's a good Tory gin. Hart, this is no, just no, Chris Cooper's Plymouth Gin. gin. Just the Plymouth Gin. Sorry, Matt. No, no, not at all. Keep going. No, no apologies. It was straight down gin, memory lane. Christmas gin recommendations. I mean, there's a there's a thing there. Pay for itself, the gin with there? this winning trick. Yeah, first flow, handicap debut for Kim Bailey. Kim Bailey's horse is going really well. This mark uh, runs off 140, which I do think gives him a proper chance because let's be honest, this was always a budding chaser in the making and he reached a mark of 144 over hurdles. That was after bolting up in the Skybet Supreme Trial um, at Haydock last January, the Rossington Main, I think it's called. Yeah, yep, Rossington Main. Well. Um, and he just absolutely thrives in this kind of ground. So when you think about the fact that he, on his penultimate start, he chased home Angel's Breath, who we've just seen win again today. at Ascot today. That form's really good. He didn't have to improve at all to land odds of 1 to 8, 1 to 9, or whatever he was at Hereford last time, but it just showed that he's getting more learning um, into him as a, as a chaser so he's had the three starts he was off the mark last time a good confidence booster and now goes handicapping off a mark of 140 that's that is a gift so that's a gift a winning trick very nice Dave with the darts yeah, there yeah. Chris Hammers darts just put um, out two of the three selections of in Ollie Bell's best bets as well so there's like a team sport in life yeah. very good I'm going to ask know. you a couple more questions Jen, just to keep you here for a few minutes longer and further agitate Ben as he tries to unearth the value <laughs> bet selections for the weekend I just wanted listeners to know perhaps what to expect from you over Christmas when are you what, what days are we previewing etc et I mean we're going to have stuff on the website for every day but yeah. in terms of value bet Christmas Eve will be out by oh, Christmas Eve will be out by value bet will be out on Christmas Eve by 2 o'clock I reckon so I can get to the pub I'd, I would be selling at 2 o'clock <laughs> absolutely <laughs> I'm yeah. certainly not buying it'd be either 2 or 3 and then um, we'll have one Boxing Day for Welsh National Day Lovely. and then we'll have one Welsh National Day for the Saturday so three Busy. bumper festive value bets can't wait. Brilliant. And Matt, you, there's Hello. an anti-post angle on the website. Uh, I'm sure, you know, these things have a tendency to date, but yeah. you, you have looked at the Christmas programme as well. Absolutely, yeah. Currently, as we speak, there are three live anti-post bets going, so that's going to keep me warm over the next two, two days. Two points win on one of them as well. Um, yes, two points win. I've put up Delta work. Um, Skybet were kind enough to slash the price within a, an hour or two, which was a bit of a shame, but... Uh, uh, we'll move on from that. There, it's about seven to one if for the Savills chase. Um, Gordon Elliott put out quite a positive report about him. Said that when he came back from his run at Down Royal, which was on the face of it bitterly disappointing, having proven himself to be one of the leading novices last season, uh, he said that he just had a slight problem. Had a, came back lame. Was. Um, fine a couple of days after has geared up for this quite well and if you go back to last this card last year he was really quite impressive when he hammered a horse called mortal in the big three mile novice chase at leopardstown over christmas so i think they've probably been working back from this i think the way that he races his style of racing is really suited to leopardstown i think he's quite a flat um relatively sharp when you compare it to the likes of punchestown and Cheltenham. um he's got a 
he's got a good kick to him. He's got a good burst. And I think hopefully he catches the likes of Ken Boy maybe a little bit short of absolute peak fitness. Excellent. Watch your Savile's chases over Christmas. That's the advice, I believe, in that. Mm. And uh, finally, Dave, just a word on the King George, which is obviously the Boxing Day highlight, um, shaping up to be a fascinating race this year. Some difficult decisions for, for one jockey in particular. But generally speaking, it's one of those King Georges with more questions than answers, fair to yeah, say. Yeah, so it's a really interesting renewal, isn't it? And I mean, I, I do think Harry Cobden will go for Cerner, but I don't think he's as clear-cut as people believed. He had such a strong relationship with Clandes Obo. He's played such a key role in his own rise through the ranks at, at Ditcher, and his horse takes a lot of knowing. I thought it was very interesting that Sam Twiston Davis is on standby for that ride. Sean Bowen, we were told, is going to be riding either, but he clearly takes a bit of knowing, Clandes Obo. But yeah, it's a huge call for him. I'm still not convinced surnames a three-miler, and I will be looking to take him on on Boxing Day. But yeah, it's a fascinating one, We've got fusel raffles in the Christmas hurdle and some cracking action at Weatherby, and then in Ireland, of course. Lovely stuff, and this is the final thing. You're allowed to say no to this, gents, but anyone got a bet for me for 2020? Because this might be the last Best Bets podcast of the year, and uh, why shouldn't we give a gift to, to the listeners? Can we do Scoop? a spoiler alert? Are these ones that we've given for our, our oh, sport? Yeah, you can, uh, oh, yeah, 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 you can, you can, you can do that. We Lovely. Have. Go on. Well, mine was Mogul for the Investec Derby. On the basis, his third favourite at 14 to 1, he's going to be Aidan O'Brien's Derby horse. And the two horses in front of him in the market, uh, Pinatubo Kimoko, as I keep calling it, won't stay, aren't bred to stay. He should be favourite. He will be after he wins one of the trials well, in the spring. More bullish than your selection that runs <laughs> in two <laughs> days. Got a long time. <laughs> Matt? I'll go with Dave's. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. Good. Scoop, you got one? Yeah, mine is Frankly Darling in the Investec Oaks. It's always in the Oaks, isn't it? It's well, always in the Oaks. I'll I like you, that about I'll tell you why it's always the I'll Oaks. I'll tell you for why. Because there's only about five flat races to have a go at. Sure. There's a, that, that's the only races that are priced up. You could try one of the other four, though. You've got Pinatubo's <laughs> short price favourite for the Guineas and the Derby. So it's, it's slim pickings, BC. You, but, you've immediately put me in my place. <laughs> but the Oaks is a cup. great race to have a bet on it because you've got a 10 to 1 favourite. You know, you can rule out half the field who won't, won't stay on pedigrees. So it's a really good race to have a go. You can get a 50 to 1 shot at this time of year that can go off 4 to 1 and finish 5th. So that's, <laughs> that's what I intend to do. Ebenezer's again. back. Right. So reminders of the selection this year. Frankly, darling, in the Oaks, trained by John Goston, owned by Anthony Oppenheimer. Anthony Oppenheimer. Uh, by Frankel, um, bred for a mile and a half. It has only appeared once in a Yarmouth maiden ran really well finished second um same yarmouth maiden that um a couple of oaks horses came out of last year and i think uh, she's a, a decent bet that is a broad spectrum of selections and races covered there in the sporting life best bets podcast uh, still to come we'll talk football big games coming thick and fast over the christmas period and we'll be hearing from uh, i want to say tom Carnoff, but he might shoot me a glance which says i have not got time for this someone will be here to talk football over the course of the next 15 minutes it's the most wonderful time of the year, where dark fists are pumping and horses are jumping and football, my dear. But could it be better? Skybet's season of giving begins December 19th. Check the app for wonderful offers throughout the sportsmas period. Skybet, that's betting better. 18 plus begambleaware.org. Selected matches, markets and races. Available until January 2nd. Eligibility restrictions, T's and C's apply. Welcome back. This is the Sporting Life uh, Weekend Best Bets podcast. Ben Coley here presenting in the absence of Gareth Jones. I'm joined by uh, workhorse Tom Carnduff. I, I think you might be the big, busiest man in the UK at the moment, Tom. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, it's not Thanks. a compliment. It's uh, it's pity oh, is what it is. Um, no, I'll you have been it. working hard on all sorts of things, but you've still found time to pick out a winner or two, I'm sure, on the Skybet EFL coupon. We'll come to that. Uh, but where else to start this weekend in football than Everton versus Arsenal, where we could have uh, the two new managers in the stands because the, the eyes are being 
dotted. The T's are being crossed. crossed. T's are being crossed and the I's are being, I's being dotted. dotted. Yeah, yeah, great scene in Wayne's World too, just for, for the for, for the kids among you. So yeah, uh, Everton Arsenal, a big game to start the weekend, but obviously both teams in a period where we're waiting for the start of another new era. Yeah, definitely. Um, as you mentioned there, Carlo Ancelotti uh, to Everton. Mikel Arteta is set to become the new Arsenal Almost manager. Almost sounds like it's the wrong way around. It is. It's very, very weird. Um, Everton, with the greatest respect, aren't this, that trend of clubs that Carlo Ancelotti goes to. He typically goes to those clubs that are either nearly there, just need that f- finishing touch, or have uh, have that status of winning trophies, but have had a bit of a kind of spell where they haven't, and it, he'll go in and return it. Look at Real Madrid and their Champions League efforts. He won it in his first season there. So really exciting appointment, that one. Um, and for Arsenal, to kind of go the other end of the scale, uh, a highly rated coach. He's worked with Pep Guardiola for, what, three and a half years now. Ex-captain, this knowing the club, which seems so important nowadays for some reason. That's the route they're going down. And it, it it's, it's an intriguing kind of battle this one because obviously the two interim managers are going to be in charge Duncan Ferguson and Freddie Lundberg and you've got to be looking at the home side here based on those interim periods and just how Duncan Ferguson seemingly got this team not necessarily playing but putting the effort in which is getting them over the line a lot of the time. It's another curious thing about this game we're talking that you know Maybe if you'd have asked someone two years ago, Ancelotti, Arsenal and Arteta Everton would have made a bit more sense. Also, what would have made more sense would have been Arsenal being favourites for this game, but they're not. Everton they're are not, narrow. No. I mean, it's not it's not overwhelming favouritism that Everton have got, but you, you think they deserve it. Definitely. I think you, you want that bit of extra value. There's going to be goals in this game, surely. You look at both back lines, particularly Arsenal and their defensive issues anyway. Arsenal have zero good defenders. And chucking problem. injury problems and that as well, probably in the left-back position, which is the only position of their defence. You can go, that's not that bad, to be fair <laughs> to them. Um, so I don't think the likes of you know Richarlison, who's been in exceptional form for Everton, Calvert-Lewin as well, are going to... They're going to enjoy this evening um, or this afternoon. It's the early kickoff, of course, isn't it? And the same with Arsenal, Aubameyang. We know what talent he possesses going forward. So you, you kind of want a, an Everton to win and both teams to score in this game. And like I said, you can only really go on the interim spells in charge. And you can't argue against Everton and what we've seen of them, particularly, you know, even in midweek, a full strength near Leicester side in the cup. The comeback from 2-0 down, pick up a draw. It's a great picture on Twitter of Duncan Ferguson pretty much straggling, strangling a Leicester player back in the day. And the caption of, I don't know what he said at half Lillian Nallis, I think it was. Yeah. So I don't know what, what, what he could have done to draw inspiration against <laughs> Leicester. But, um, but yeah, so a home win, both teams score. Or, you know, home win with goals in the game is probably the better route to go down. Sounds perfectly logical to me. George Pitts has done the preview of all Saturday's games. You can read that at sportinglife.com forward slash football. Um, when he his look at the three PMs, I don't want to gloss over them completely, but they're, they're sort of more purist fixtures. They're not the headline grabbers, perhaps. But um, the one that I thought was really interesting, he, he mentioned Newcastle to score the last goal of the game against Crystal Palace at a shade bigger than evens. I think that is uh, certainly worth a second glance. Where did where else were we looking on that three PM coupon? Yeah, uh, there's a few interesting games. You mentioned the Newcastle one there, you, one for the purists. I think that's the diplomatic way of, of putting it. I've just been editing your Not Another Golf podcast. I've got a bleep now, so we could uh, good. We could can put that it. in. Um, to describe it it's a difficult kind of coupon this one really the free pm as uh, the one I'm intrigued by actually put Ruben Nevers to score from outside the area for Wolves um, 8 to 1 the price at the time of talking is and it's a really intriguing one because you kind of look at those midfielders prices and 
it just makes sense to back him to score from outside the area because every goal he scored has been from outside the area. Pretty much all of his shots this season, and, and you're still getting a big the enhancement on the anytime. Exactly, price. and it, it just makes so much more sense to kind of go down that route. Um, in a game that you'd, you'd fancy Wolves to win, obviously their long unbeaten run finally came to an end thanks to Jan Vertonghen's late effort for Spurs last weekend. So yeah, I think if you want that anytime goal scorer, the likes of Jimenez Hotter as well, the two strikers really starting to find their form again after a slow start. It's well worth looking to the midfield and he's just done it time and time again, both in the Championship and the Premier League. Ruben Everett's just got a track record of scoring from distance. He can pick it seemingly out from anywhere on the pitch you could you could challenge him and he could find the back of the net so at a price of eight to one that's a bigger price kind of goal scorer selection to look at particularly in a few free pm games that don't really majorly stick out so there's some good value in there excellent i wolves are the shortest price team in those 3 p.m kickoffs uh which tells you and they're 10 to 11 so it tells you about the competitive nature i think del tempest in his column for sporting life is talking about trying to perm some draws uh, have a read of that on the website but the shortest price price favorites on the whole day in the premier league are manchester city now yes. we say that often tom uh, not often we say it when they're playing a team above them in the division uh, yes. there aren't usually many teams above them in the division one of them is leicester um six to one leicester it'll do for many yeah, six to one Leicester, which is remarkably one of the shorter prices, probably shortest prices you're going to get on any team going to the Etihad, and arguably they are a much better team at the moment. So, yeah, a really good game this for a late kickoff, uh, a really nice way to kind of round off the Saturday action and what seems to be the battle for runners up. But you know, some Leicester fans will believe they're still in the title race, and they firmly are, with the game against Liverpool on Boxing Day. I kind of agree with George. I really like the look of this one. Another big price one, 12 to 1. Stats-based market here, which is available with most bookmakers now. I think it's 12 to 1 on Skybet anyway. A really good price. Vardy, two plus shots in the two plus shots on target in the first half. I think he's had, what, four plus shots in four of his last five Premier League games. I don't need to tell you any more about the type of striker he is. We all know about that. And this City defence as well, there's so many problems there. They aren't seemingly going to sign a centre-back in January. I think Laporte... Obviously Certainly not between now and kick-off either. No, definitely not. Um, but it just outlines the, prob- the, problems, the problems they are having. That This is the area we're constantly pinpointing. There's no issues at the other end of the pitch whatsoever that never seemingly do. They've just got an abundance of talent up there. At the back, it's different injury problems. They love John Stones, apparently. They won't have a bad word said about John Stones at Man City. So that's probably why... They don't feel that they want to get another centre-back in. And what it's done, it's cost them goals. And Leicester, we know how good they are going forward as well. Vardy's going to be a right handful for this defence. And I think it's going to be a real battle of the midfield. That's why I'd probably steer away from a James Madison this weekend. But for that price, that's a really tempting price on, on a striker in form. We know how good he is. And to really make a quick start at the Etihad. Yeah, fingers crossed it should be a, a real spectacle on Saturday evening before we kick into the real Christmas programme, I suppose, on Boxing Day and beyond. Um, switching to the EFL then, Tom, your uh, specialist subject if we were on Mastermind, um, I mean, wouldn't be the most entertaining episode, no offence, but uh, you have covered uh, a range of markets here. We've got corners, goals and handicaps, so uh, talk us through your selections. Yeah, we'll start um, Luton v Swansea. Swansea kind of firmly out the automatic promotion race now, having seemingly been in it very, very early doors. Um, corners in this game is a really intriguing bet. Two teams who sit very high on the averages um, for corners in the championship this season. 
Got to look at Luton's last five home games. The average game match corners has been 13.4. Swansea's last five away, the average has been 12.4 as well. So really high corner tally. It just goes down to the way they play, particularly kind of Swansea and not necessarily having that prolific striker that they've enjoyed in recent years. They are looking more to the wider areas, the midfield players. And Luton... Uh, They'll hold some confidence despite that poor form. They ran Leeds very closely at Kenilworth Road um, a few weeks ago. They've done the same with, with a few of the top teams they've played. So, yeah, expect an open attacking game. And rather than going for goals, I think corners are a very good kind of market to look at here. Good stuff. Uh, speaking of goals, Barnsley and goals seem to be a together uh, most weekends in our reviews of the action further down the, the league pyramid uh, and you fancy more when they go to Millwall yeah they go to a Millwall team now unbeaten in seven so Gary Routes really got this team going and, and the big thing for Millwall is now that under Neil Harris the den was the place that you didn't want to go to as a team because you knew you're probably going to lose but then the fact is if Millwall were coming to you you probably knew you were going to win They've snapped that now. They're not this team that rely on that home form. They can get wins away, but this game being at the Den, goals in this one. I mean, I tipped last week Barnsley to win an over two and a half. Should have gone a bit more ambitious because they won 5-3 against QPR. So, seven so, and a half. so I should have gone more <laughs> ambitious, but there's just nothing to suggest that the goals will stop at all. Since the managerial change for Barnsley, four of their six games under him have brought four or more goals. In a game, that's an for a sport that is. I think the average is two and a half. On you know, that's why yeah, that mark's yeah. always set there. That's incredible. And for Millwall as well, in front of their own supporters, three of the last five have seen over three and a half, and only one of those is under two and a half, which was a two niller. So I mean, around two to one, going over three and a half in this game. It's just nothing to suggest that Barnsley will change their approach because they're playing away from home. They've lost two of their last three. I think away games, three two. So it shows there should be goals. And for the ACA purposes, we're hoping it's a goals, but a home win. Good stuff. And another home win for you then, Coventry uh, to beat Lincoln. Obviously, things for Lincoln have been a, a bit tough since the Cowley brothers departed. I have a friend who is a Lincoln fan, and I, I saw him for the first time since the other day. And it was like I'd broken his heart when I asked about the Cowley brothers. And uh, that yeah. feeling really has taken over the whole club and, and on the pitch as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we knew it would be tough as ever with any manager kind of in any club but particularly one that's seen this rise through the leagues up to league one at such a rate as well that they have done and it was okay it might be all right and then the first game afterwards I think they got whacked six nil somewhere so it was like okay maybe it's not they go to Coventry who you've got to kind of put the home with the commas there the home games that they're having the pre-season prediction was they wouldn't struggle too much playing their games in Birmingham and they really haven't. Second to, only second to Wickham in the home standings. Slipped up a bit in recent weeks, but then they've played Ipswich a ridiculous amount of times because of a cup and then a cup replay. I think they've played them three times in the last couple of weeks. So that's kind of affected that form, if you will, but they're picking up points there and going for them on the handicap to beat Lincoln around the 3-1 to one mark. 14-5 to five was the best price that I found at the time. It's just a strong case to be made for them to, to, to win this game with goals, given that contrasting form. I think Lincoln's seven of their 11 away games this season have ended in defeat, and you obviously factor in when Cowley was there as well. It's only really gone downhill from there, even with victory at Burton, I think, in their last away game. So the, the confidence with uh, a home win here, and like I said, hopefully one that, that can have them a couple of goals cushion, if you will, which they haven't done in recent weeks, but nothing to suggest they can't do it here on Saturday.
Excellent stuff. Thank you very much, Tom. Three selections then from Tom for the EFL. We've got a Sporting Life Accumulator as well on the website as we uh, touched upon there. We'll also have a preview of Sunday's action in the Premier League. Watford host Manchester United before Spurs take on Chelsea. And to come over the next week or so, we've got a Boxing Day test preview going out early next week. Worth keeping an eye on that. There is a golf tournament in the first week of January. We'll preview that. And ongoing, of course, is the World Darts Championship. We've got Chris Hammer down at Ali Pali as we speak. He'll be previewing every single day of the action on the hockey. So uh, stick around on sportinglife.com throughout the festive period do have a brilliant Christmas we'll be back after it with more betting previews and what have you but for now it's a Merry Christmas from us and good luck this weekend Thanks for listening to this Sporting Life podcast For more visit sportinglife.com and you can find us on social media at Sporting Life on Twitter and at facebook.com forward slash Sporting Life Official <laughs>